I want to go back to school. I want to get my degree and become, you know, something substantial. I can't just do some mindless job. Oh, I was forced to take a job selling shoes on Madison Avenue. Oh, so humiliating. Friends I'd had at dinner parties, our apartment came in and I waited on them. I mean, do you have any idea what that's like? No, one minute you're hosting women and the next you're measuring their shoe size and fitting them. Erica Bishop came into the store. She saw me. It was so embarrassed for me. She slipped out thinking I didn't see her. I saw you, Erica! You okay? Welcome to Trilogy in Theory. My name is Webb and this is my co-host Mike. We close our trilogy today with Blue Jasmine, yet another Woody Allen romp. And boy, it is it is not a romp. Uh, black comedy. Just lean into it, Webb. <laughs> black comedy, I think, is kind of the most accurate definition of this. One of the things that really stuck out to me is the class comparison and social status. And I want to give you a quick story. I remember uh, my wife was uh, up and down and having a, a few rough emotional days. And I wanted to get her one of those just because gifts. And I was like, I'm going to really knock it out of the park. And I'm going to get something for her that she would never buy for herself something that we would probably only purchase like once maybe twice in a lifetime and that would be a louis vuitton purse it's like it's something that regular middle class folk like us just don't normally have and and every now and then i'll go into a walmart and i'll see the most <laughs> I'm trying to be nice about this but the most like busted looking person sporting like the fanciest brightest newest louis vuitton person it'll, it'll just boggle my mind and sometimes i'll see them so often i'm like it's gotta be a bunch of fakes because how can people still afford these things and i went into a louis vuitton store and by went to i mean got in line to go into and it wasn't just uh like a best buy i couldn't just roam around you have to be assigned a salesperson and you have to tell them what you want you, you, there's no looking and stuff and then you kind of talk to them and thankfully because i am who i am i do all my research beforehand i was like oh i'm looking at this style and this style and this style and they brought it out to me and i made a purchase and i gulped a little bit <laughs> when i gave them my credit card but ultimately i bought it and I surprised my wife with it, and she was, she had a lot of mixed emotions, like overjoyed and just kind of like, oh my gosh, you know, I never thought that I would have something like this. And then immediately, like, we can't afford this. And so I ultimately had to return it at the behest of oh, my... Oh, no. Yeah. Oh, no. Because my wife was very, she was just like, this is lovely. But 
we can't do this and we just can't and i got real upset about it uh <laughs> because like i buy crap for myself all the time and i i and my wife is way thriftier and way smarter about things than i am but she doesn't bat an eye when i have a new graphic novel on my shelf so i felt real bad and i felt like i was like we can technically afford this why not and so when i watch something like blue jasmine and i see a character like uh jasmine looking down on these hard-working folk in san francisco and she's coming from upper class upper crust like upper 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 of the upper of new york it's very shocking to me even so much so that the costume designer asked uh, louis vuitton to borrow items for the shoot and louis vuitton said no uh, and they only had, uh, I think, like, 30-something thousand dollars for the costume budget, which sounds like a lot for me, but apparently if you want to uh, showcase a character with uh, this kind of a lifestyle, it's not much. And Blanchette had to step in and talk to, because she had a personal relationship with the Louis Vuitton folks, and they were able to give them some items. Just, uh, uh, do they even want to be associated with such a parasitic view of high-class society when the reality is that they are? That kind of stuff really stuck out to me in this viewing. And after my long spiel, I'm, I'm going to give it to you. How, what do you think about all this, man? <laughs> Maybe they were just uh, ahead of the, the curve, which we are uh, definitively not, as we, I guess, remain one of the only movie podcasts still talking about Woody Allen <laughs> movies, because <laughs> the numbers reflect that there's uh, a dearth of material out there for Woody Allen fans. Uh, so here we are. Thank you again for joining us and you fuckers skip over every other episode we do unless it's Richard Linklater, <laughs> I guess I don't really see it that way. I mean, I can see their point of view on that. I don't think Woody Allen is the guy to be the, the particular takedown artist of this particular lifestyle. So I never feel like that they're being too harsh on the rich here. And it's, probably why i like the movie and now i'm all about um that sort of class warfare uh and, and probably in my real life but in the movie i don't want us to just roll out a character like jasmine played by kate blanchett just so we can tear her apart so i like that as the story unfolds and we keep going back and forth to you know the life she had versus i don't think it's the life that she is, is aspiring to now it's a it, when she thinks back to the life she had, she doesn't realize, or at least she doesn't realize very often that her life has permanently altered or shifted. And she is now into this level of the tax bracket, which is, uh, you know, like not necessarily a bad life. Cause as, as you see with her sister, she's also not particularly fulfilled played by Sally Hawkins, but her hangups are more grounded. Uh, like her, her sort of the B plot with her is that she wonders if this is the man that she should settle down with. I would say yes. If I'm Sally Hawkins, considering that the alternative is to have an affair with Louis CK, who <laughs> is a married man. Like that's probably the oddest thing to me, which I mean, boy, talk about trying to market this episode on Twitter. Like here's our latest on Woody Allen co-starring Louis CK. as <laughs> <laughs> the, you know, the, uh, the honeypot that is Louis CK, as we always knew he, he was, that he just draws him in, but it's about two women who are kicking around. Uh, is this the level that they're comfortable uh, with as far as can I be satisfied with this life going forward. And certainly the way we leave Jasmine 
And I think it's probably been much uh, earlier than that. Audiences have been keyed into the fact that, yeah, she's probably never going to be happy again. And that's a, that's a hard thing to sell. I think to people, I'm, I'm every time I rewatch this, I'm impressed at how entertaining it is that you're, you are watching a woman's uh, downfall to, it's not oblivion, but it's like a downfall to a normal life is oblivion to her. So you should hate this character. You should, you know, if you're just a regular moviegoer, uh, you should detest her. And at times I feel great sympathy for her, even though we have, we have nothing in common. And just the, even the manner in which she speaks, this really sort of fake, like a sort of like upper, upper class uh, manner of delivering her dialogue. And she comes from, um, you know, a, a mixed family of like, uh, adopted kid and you know not the greatest home life based on her and sally hawkins talk uh there's just enough uh there that when i feel like they're going a bit too much with jasmine into detestability that there's a pullback and i'm somehow back on her side again it's a really delicate balance i think it's one of his <sighs> i hate to say it you know it's probably one of uh, woody allen's best uh directing jobs uh or i guess you could go the other way and say that he just found like the the perfect actress for this this part and you know obviously she went on and won the oscar for it but yeah it's, it is uh it is uh i think craftsmanship at its finest as far as tackling this particular character which really has nothing to offer the general public 110 percent agree i found myself empathizing with jasmine even when i have no reason to uh because she's being pretty contemptible throughout the film to characters who really don't deserve it and i wonder if it is performance or direction and woody allen has joked about how it's like the, the key to directing is finding the right actors and taking the credit when uh, when they do a good job okay he did his job then oh certainly it's a it's a tremendous performance and it makes me really feel happy about uh, human nature in general because i think human beings are generally very empathetic individuals that even though we see this pretty horrific woman who doesn't understand, uh, you know, where her position in life is and how she has to transition. Even though we see this, these horrible things coming out of her mouth and, and the things that she's doing, we are still wanting her to succeed in some way, to find some kind of peace. And I'm not normally very empathetic towards the plight of the wealthy, I guess, uh, in real life. Um, even in and and it really strikes a chord with me when I see it on screen because I'm like, why are we watching this? Because these the actors themselves are incredibly wealthy, and so it sometimes rings false to me when the fourth wall is kind of broken. But I completely agree with you. This is shocking how the balancing act is 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 done so incredibly well, and along those lines, how incredibly smooth the transitioning is between what's happening present day and the flashbacks because even the flashbacks aren't really in order but they occur almost as if you are inside jasmine's mind and as you're recalling these events i never once felt like oh my god this is jarring when is this what time why don't they have a subtitle here saying that this is this time Never once, and I think that speaks to Blanche's performance because she's so good at showcasing when she is wealthy and everything is peachy to when she is falling apart. Did the shifts in time ever uh, make you question the script or uh, were too jarring for you? Uh, for me, it was completely seamless from start to finish. 
the only jarring aspect, uh, which I, I sort of touched on, um, is when we go off with Ginger, her sister, and if we just stay with Jasmine all the time, depending on which timeline, um, I think it's fine. Uh, the the interlude with Louis C.K., which I think we're meant to see as an influence uh, from Jasmine yeah. with her uh, critical uh, appraisal of her sister's chosen life that uh, a woman who could, I don't know, I guess the greatest sin with from Jasmine's point of view is to be content uh, with with anything less than the like sort of the best possible existence. That was the only time it was a little bit jarring for me is when we're spending time away from uh, from Jasmine herself. So no, nothing at all as far as the two different timelines of her life before and, and her life life now. I, I'm always surprised, and I've seen this you know more than a few times right at this point because I was really high on it when it released. Unfortunately, my theatrical experience with this was, I believe, watching it by myself because I didn't know if this was going to be one of those kind of throwaway Woody Allen movies or not. And then it was like, I think I maybe forced my wife to watch it with me, but that might've been like during its video. And this is before, you know, Woody Allen became the Woody Allen of now where it's like, you can't really speak of him before. That was just a guy who made kind of slightly boring, quirky movies. I think it was my wife's <laughs> point of view. <laughs> is it uh, midnight in Paris? No. Okay. Then I don't care. That was, that's sort of the general assessment. No, I, I have no issue with, with that back and forth. I'm, but he always catches me off guard, even though I've seen it so many times, with Andrew Dice Clay being the guy that gives like sort of the big comeuppance yeah. speech of like this is this is not only where you are, but this is who you are, and you need to remember that about yourself that you you brought this all uh, on yourself, and I have I have no sympathy for you, and like the one he he's the one that redirects us to um, this son. Um, that she shared with her her previous husband uh, as the stepmother. Um, it's like he slaps the audience in the face too. Like, oh yeah, there was like a child involved. Like, I mean, he was going to college. He was grown. But we've been so hung up with Jasmine's kind of bullshit. And they have the stones to be very unforgiving. And they're, they're meeting again when those timelines kind of reconnect. And... She even has this, like, it's a very earnest, like, plea, like, you know, I couldn't find you like that. And it's like, oh, wow, is that even something she would have considered? Because I feel like she had to have a complete, basically to her, a stranger come back into her life saying, like, hey, if you, you know, you like live in the same city as your, your former uh, child. Have you even thought about that? And so it, I play that scene back and forth, Web. I'm like, does she mean it? Does she just mean it in that moment that she cared about him? Because... Previously, she's talking about what drink she could die for right now. <laughs> and, and you know, she doesn't like being questioned too much about not having money, but she still flew first class as if there was any other option. Um, and I I admire the film that they they just kind of let her fall, like, to the side. Like, they treat her like we treat uh, not only, like, you know, lower middle class, but anyone in poverty where – just best not to think of them and they they must have done something to get to that point they did they did this to themselves it's rare that you see that uh with someone um from this upper class uh that is treated with uh grace and dignity to a point but the resolution is you know she is it's very undignified and she's just a stranger on a bench just muttering to herself doesn't pull any punches in that way not at all and there is nothing redeemable i think about this character which is 
why it's so shocking that the film still manages to be entertaining and grossing because in that scene where she is pleading to her adopted son, I, I genuinely think that she's just looking for a lifeline from anyone and it's not specifically about him because even in all the flashbacks, if we are, if we decide that, yes, this is what she's thinking about in this moment and it's not just for the benefit of the audience, very few of them really feature him and her concern for him. So it's really more about her. That is it. She doesn't care about her sister. And I, oh God, boy, Sally Hawkins, she's so good. Everybody is so good in this. This is such a showcase. Every single actor. And Andrew Dice Clay is, for me, the standout. He makes such an impact, despite the fact that he has very little screen time. But Sally Hawkins' character, and she's always going back to genetics. She got the good genes, I got the bad genes. They're adopted. They're not even biologically related. So I th it's just so funny to me, in a really sad way. There's very little comedy in this black comedy. And it makes me want to just... Oh, God. Like it's, She is also has the same traits that Jasmine does. Uh, because she can't quite see what's in front of her and what's good and what's bad, and it, oh gosh, and you just she just wanted to you just want to take care of, and and you can't help but think about Andrew Dice Clay and and Bobby Cannaval, who they're just they're trying so hard to make sure and to take care of this woman, and the influence, gosh, the influence that Jasmine has on everybody around her, boy, uh, that's rough. I do wonder what an alternate version of this script might be if it wasn't Jasmine who ultimately called the FBI about uh, her husband's wrongdoings and how that would, would she have fallen down this uh, kind of, you know, the, the streetcar named Desire level of uh, downward spiral. This is a real anomaly, I think, in Woody's very extensive filmography. It's entertaining and it's, cringeworthy and I, it's just so many things and and i am not done with it you know sometimes you watch a film and you're like okay i think i've gleaned all i can from it you mm -hmm. you rewatch certain films uh, because they're entertaining and then you get to a point where you're done i'm not done with this film and i don't think i ever will be it just offers so much and i feel like i get something new every time i see it and it did well it did well at the box office. And that's one of the things that Blanchett mentioned in her Oscar acceptance speech. is like, stories about women, are, it's not a myth that they don't make any money. Clearly, this uh, almost crossed the $100 million mark. And I'm sure with, uh, you know, home video, it did. That, and that's interesting because it's not... If you look at the poster, it's just, you know, Kate Blanchett in profile and like a blue sky. I don't even really know if there's a hook necessarily to sell this as far as the, the plot. Uh, in fact, it's probably... Uh, best if you don't, because I think that may be, may be off-putting to people. Like, oh, that doesn't sound like a good time. Yeah. <laughs> uh, a woman's uh, husband uh, has an affair, wants to leave her, uh, and she calls the, the feds on him for his uh, pyramid scheme, uh, and then her life becomes even worse. <laughs> it's like, whoa, okay. <laughs> like, shouldn't she be the hero of the story? But you watch it, and it's like, no, 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 no. She's, she's not the hero because she was very much unconcerned with the finances of those that were, um, you know, furnishing her, her lifestyle. Uh, she was concerned with the personal. How could you do this to me by having an affair with this, this woman in our circle? Um, so yeah, it's, 
I totally agree with you. I, I did have a question for you. Like, do you ever, other than the fact that it's Woody Allen, you know, do you ever feel bad going back to revisit this particular film in the sense of, does it feel mean spirited? I don't think that it does. Cause I think it's, it's enough of an examination of this person, but I could see how that it, it, it could have that sort of eat the rich fun factor to some, like just, just on the premise alone, but I never really get that. And I'm not saying I'm above it. I'm, I'm all for the eat a good eat the rich storyline, but I don't think this, this one is quite that, even though technically it sort of fits into that spectrum. It does fit, but it's not part of that spectrum because you're not getting any kind of a, a thrill from watching the downward spiral. And I think that's key. And that's where the direction and the acting uh, really uh, make this a home run because zero pleasure is being like something like the hunt and, and some of these modern films that uh, are glorifying violence against the rich. Like there's none of that in this film. You're it's a excellent examination of a character in a very specific situation and timely as well. Cause I think the Madoff scandal happened around this time. So uh, it, it, it did reflect a lot of what was happening at the time. And I would kind of continues to happen right now. Like you still see a real class division. So no, they, I, I think that this is completely earnest and that's why I gotta wonder why it's so entertaining and maybe entertaining is the wrong word. Maybe it's just so captivating the way you leave the film like yeah, midnight in paris is a great uh, comparison because you leave that film just with such love and heart and in this one is just completely opposite and this one followed uh, midnight in paris and so gosh i feel so bad that i didn't appreciate slash watch <laughs> midnight in paris when it first released but I was right there. Me, my brother and myself are the only two in an empty theater in the middle of the day watching Blue Jasmine. And so, uh, but the, the film clearly stuck with me. So, uh, a rare two in a row for for Woody. I did uh, take multiple dates uh, with different women to see Midnight in Paris that summer because I I saw it again by myself. Like, all right, I can't trust uh, the Woodmeister here to give me back to back hits. <laughs> So I go by myself like a matinee, like on a Wednesday or something. And I'm like, oh, oh, this is it. I was like, I am, I'm going to get laid many times going to take <laughs> young ladies see Midnight in Paris. That's the one to go for, not Blue Jasmine. No, no, not at all. If you're getting laid at the end of Blue Jasmine, not sure what that says about you or your date. But uh, hey, I'm I'm all for people getting laid. So whatever, you whatever better, works. Uh, I've had uh, a, a very nice promotion. Because if that's if that's the turn on from your your partner, uh, I hope you've jumped uh, tax brackets uh, substantially. <laughs> Not returning the Louis Vuitton bag, being scolded for spending the money. <laughs>